Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. It's Tuesday, and we're at the Mississippi Baptist Convention. We're actually in 509 at Cabot Lodge, and we're joined by Tim Mims. Dr. Mims is a professor at Blue Mountain College. And Tim, why don't you just give us some information about yourself? Oh, sure, sure. So I uh, began pastoring at the age of 19. Okay, uh, graduated from Blue Mountain College in 2003. Uh, so served the entire time I was I was going to school, uh, Blue Mountain. Uh, got um, my graduate degrees at New Orleans Baptist Seminary, and um, was serving at First Baptist Winona when God called me back to my alma mater at Blue Mountain College. So I serve as assistant uh, professor in biblical studies, and I'm over internships. Uh, as well as co-chair uh, of the chapel committee among church minister relations. So, Well, Tim, the reason why we have you on this podcast today is to discuss something that you and I both have in common. We have both been asked to leave a church. And what we want to discuss today is everything that goes on, maybe from the minister's perspective, whenever you're asked to leave a church. So, Tim, if you can, overview that for us. What what kind of led up to that church asking you to leave? Okay. So um, I think oh, the, the one thing I want to preface is that uh, I was in a place where I was really, God used this as an opportunity to really grow me. So I wouldn't say that I was responding like I really should look back on that. And I realized that God was using this to, to really grow me and mature me and help me to understand uh, what it means to obey him and and follow him and respond in a way that's uh, exalts Christ no matter what. Uh, but uh, we were seeing a, a great deal of growth. Uh, we had we'd actually, in the short amount of time that I was there, I was there for nine months. And in that nine months, we we baptized 52 people. That's incredible. In nine months. So there was, there was considerable growth. Uh, but um, the issue really involved something early on. Uh, they had promised, you know, housing and among many other things. And so once we got there, um, we, we found out that those on the committee and then those who really write the checks or, you know, make things happen, uh, that that they had made some promises that they were unable to keep. So it really put us in a bind. And uh, and, and that was kind of the start of, of that. Uh, we, we had a house uh, that we were renting. I think they thought we would just buy it. And so they, they had a buyer, sold the house. So I come back from, from actually, uh, it's my senior year um, when all of this happens at Blue Mountain College. I'm taking biblical exegesis. We're exegeting 1 Corinthians. That's the book. I, I had completed my paper in the midst of this. I come back. And there's somebody moving things into the garage of the house that we've been renting. And so that, that's where, uh, you know, and so I had a guy come over and, and one, of, one of the deacons, uh, he was actually a part of the search team. And, and he said, hey, we think that you're called to evangelism and that you're not called to be a pastor. And so that's really where it started. Uh, so they really didn't want to admit Okay, there there's a problem. What we have promised him, we didn't we didn't we didn't accomplish that, and and so it it just was 
blown out of proportion after that. So rather than staying, we we left, and and so that is. Uh, and, and but when we left, uh, we left thinking, hey, we're putting them in our rearview mirror. You know, we're moving on from this. But yet, the bitterness that was in my heart was still there. And God used that, that whole experience really to grow me, to mature me. Ultimately, I think to be able to have something in common, to be able to share, to be able to teach, you know, a new generation of of ministers that may face this same thing. So that's just a little bit about uh, the background. David, you had a similar experience. Tell us about it. Yeah. So in the experience that I had, we had been at that church for almost five years. We were right at the five-year mark. Uh, I believe we were two months shy of that five-year mark. And and as Tim said, there were, there were little things. Of course, whenever a person goes to a church, he is never as mature as when he leaves that church. You always go to the next church as a better minister, a better person, a more mature preacher. And of course, there, there were issues with, with my leadership that if I would have said something different or responded or reacted in different ways, it would have, there would have been, it would have been a different scenario, but you can't, you know, you can't go back and correct that afterwards. And so you had mentioned growth. And I think that growth was one of those things that was the watermark issue that was opposed. Uh, There were people, man, there were a lot of people that we reached and there were people that were excited about the growth. And there were a lot of people that were really pumped about what the Lord was doing and, and had been doing Uh, over that span. I think we, whenever I went there, it was the church was running a little better than 100 in Sunday school. And my last full year there, I believe the numbers were 156 in Sunday school. So we had, we'd grown by about 50 in, in, in Sunday school and Sunday school average was a, was a good marker of the, of the growth of that church. So the baptisms, I'm not sure of, there were a lot of baptisms, but I recall just before uh, they had the business meeting where it was, uh, there were a lot of people, people that I had never seen, people that I didn't know, but were members of that church that had shown up that night just to attempt to create a story. They tried to vote me out. They were unsuccessful in voting me out, but then, but then asked for resignation. Just a few weeks before all of that, probably three weeks or so, uh, we had 11 people join um, on a Sunday morning. Six of those were on profession of faith baptism. Five were moving their letter, and and it was they were lined up across the front of the church. And 11 on a Sunday morning was 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 fantastic. And I recall whenever I was walking in the hallway just after that service, we there was there was a guy there was a guy he was he was the main man behind all of the disunity. And as I rounded a corner, he was speaking with someone else. And I heard him say these words, they're coming and they're not going to stop. And I knew right then, okay, okay. I know what he's talking about. These new people are coming. We are losing control. And and control was uh, control was a big issue in that church where this family or that group had to have control. And this guy was not an active deacon at the time. He had previously served in that role, but he was not an active deacon, and he wasn't on the inside, and he had to kind of gain back that control, or at least that's how I feel a lot of it happened. And and Tim, you talk about bitterness. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. Um, after after that happened to my family, I, I became the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Fulton. Just um, six weeks later, uh, was my first Sunday at, at Trinity, but 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 there there was an issue. I, I didn't want to see those people. 
I didn't want to talk to those people. Uh, anybody that I wasn't sure about, man, I, I didn't want to see them. I didn't even drive past that church. I, I, I didn't want to go down that highway because I didn't want to drive past it. We were in the middle of a building program whenever all this happened. And uh, shortly after my exodus, they completed the building program. And I, I didn't I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go by there because I didn't want to be reminded of, of, of the mess that was going on or that had happened and all the hurt and all the pain. And then there came a time. Well, actually, it was for the pastor's conference. Uh, Thomas, who was the president of the pastor's conference that year? I think well, it was Dave Dowdy. It was Dave Dowdy is who it was. It was it was Dave Dowdy. We love Dave Dowdy. The guys in this room know Dave. Dave is a faithful brother. And I have known Dave for some time. Dave knew that I was at Mount Olive, but he did not know all that had happened. How he left. That's it. He had no clue. And Dave, I guess, sent me a text message. Either sent me a text message or left me a voicemail. I didn't talk with him initially because Thomas, I called you first. And I wanted your opinion. Dave got in touch with me and said, hey, I'm planning the pastor's conference. It's going to be at Mount Olive on, on this day. Would you be willing to preach at it? And I thought, what? That's the church that, that ran me off. And I thought, hey, this may be a place where, or I can, this, this may be a place, a place of, of healing, a place of healing. Yeah. And so Thomas, I got in touch with you first. And I said, do you think, do you think this can be done? Do you think I can do it? And you helped me walk through that and talk through that. And I got in touch with Dave and I said, Dave, I, I'm, I'm down with it, man. Put me down to preach on that day. And, and Tim, there was a lot of healing that came through me going back. Now, sure, church dynamics change. Uh, the main guy, shortly after all that happened, I've heard that he, he doesn't even attend church there. He, do, he doesn't go to church anywhere. It's kind of strange, but he doesn't longer goes there. And, and he wasn't there that day. I didn't see him. I didn't see anyone that was in that group. It was, it was a different dynamic, but it was a healing process. Tim, have you been able to go back to that church and preach since everything that happened all those years ago. And how did that, how did that service go once you went back? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the rest of the story. So, so things were blown entirely out of proportion. We could see that uh, there was no way for us to stay and effectively minister and pastor there. So, like I said, I left, but I left, I, I had bitterness in my heart and, and I found myself one. I thought, man, I'm not going to see these people again. The interesting thing is that God moved my mother-in-law, who worked for the state park system, to that area. So my mother and father-in-law moved there. We have their grandson, okay? And so uh, the part of the agreement, of course, when I said I do, is that I wouldn't keep the family <laughs> away from grandparents, especially <laughs> grandchildren. So, yeah. so uh, going back, I would run into the people. I would see them at you know, at a, at a gas station or I'd see them at a Walmart. And, and initially there's that fight or flight kind of mentality. So for me, it was the flight, you know, go around like you were sharing, David, go another way. And so, so God began to speak to my heart about dealing with it. And it was a process of grieving really. So to go in and to, to deal with that and bring it into his presence. So I, I began rather than running away to approach those people and to take the first step to say, no matter what's happened, okay, I'm forgiving and, and you're forgiven. And, and so what, what I noticed is that as I began to take those steps, that they wanted to take those steps. They, they were willing to take those steps. Uh, but, but the culmination was uh, years, and it hasn't been that long ago that I received a call from the pastor. And so as he called me to come back and preach a homecoming, he started a conversation by saying, I already know the answer, but, 
I said, no, you don't understand. I've been waiting on this for a long time. So it was really a revival. Uh, it was a God movement in that service because I shared that story. I shared the story. And I was very transparent, and I talked about God bringing forgiveness uh, and healing uh, in in my own heart, and I extended that. And uh, the altars were full, and people were were talking, and 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 even testimonies about about uh, emotional healing uh, that that even resulted in some some physical healing because the emotional had taken its toll on the physical with a number of people uh, that came as a result of that. What I find encouraging from both of your stories, and, and I hope our listeners will find this encouraging as well, is that you both were hurt. And, it, and it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be hurt by a church. If you're a church member, it's okay to, to, it's okay to have those feelings of hurt, but it's not okay to stay in that. There, there needs to be this process, and, and you said it well, there, there's a process. It's a, it's, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes, it takes a lot of God moving in, in our lives for us to get to a place where we can, we can offer forgiveness. But that is the next step. You're hurt. Yes. Acknowledge it. Don't act like it didn't happen. Swallow pride and all of those other things and, and then just offer forgiveness and move on and find healing and restoration in that. That's very encouraging. Tim, did you find yourself at your next place of ministry being afraid that something similar would happen again? Yours had kind of been a, an issue of deception. We're going to do ABC, but then ABC was never offered. Whenever you were talking with your next church, did you did you wonder if they were being fully honest or, or was that something you had to work through? Yeah, it, 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 absolutely. And that was part of the process of grieving. Is I, I had to deal with it, and it ultimately is and was uh, a trust issue, you know, with with God. Am I going to trust Him no matter what? Am I? I mean, no matter what, am I going to trust Him? But but I found myself in communicating with committees or talking to people, uh, you know, naturally the natural man thinking the worst. Okay, so this is what they've said. This is what they have they have offered, but. You know, I just don't know. I I don't know. Uh, so yeah, there's kind of a pendulum swing that happens, and and that certainly happened with me. But I think the awareness of that was was God helping me to uh, to to heal uh, from the hurt, and then to begin to minister out of healing rather than ministering out of hurt. Because for a long time, I ministered out of hurt. I ministered out of the hurt, and I think I think that is an issue. For many of our pastors that are in a place, they haven't been asked to leave, but they're in a place and they've been hurt and they're ministering out of the hurt yeah, rather true. than ministering out of the healing. Yeah. And, and so, sure. But I found myself, uh, uh, you know, with, with a lot of those thoughts that I, I just couldn't trust them. I couldn't trust them. And, and so God brought me through the process, say, wait, hey, you're not trusting. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. And so give us a timeline, real, just real quick, from the time that you left the church to when you went back to preach the homecoming, how many, how many years was goodness, that? Uh, 12, 12 years, something like that. It was a long yeah. time. It was a, it was a considerable amount of time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was, uh, I'd pastored a church after that for almost four years. And then I was, uh, I'd actually moved to a new church. 
Uh, and that's the church that I uh, went to New Orleans Seminary. I pastored there while I was at New Orleans Seminary. So I was there for, you know, almost eight years. So it was while I was there that I received the call to come back. So what about you, David? How long ago? It was, uh, I believe it had been about three and a half years from the time that that happened, to the time that I went back. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad that mine happened within three and a half years. Cause I believe that was a big deal. I'd rather it happen at the three year mark than at the 10 or 12 year mark, just because it helps you heal up quicker. Yeah. So that's, that's about how long it had been for me, Thomas. You know, one passage that I think of is in the book of Genesis, whenever at the end of the book of Genesis, where Joseph's brothers had done a lot of things for evil and for harm, but he was able to have the the godly perspective and say what you did for evil, God meant it for good. And it was for the, we know it was for the salvation of his people. It was for, it was for them to survive. And Tim, I think it would be the same in your life. I am who I am because of those instances that God has brought me through. And I'm thankful for them. Even in difficult periods and difficult times, those difficult times make us who we are. You wouldn't be who you are without God's leadership during those difficult times. I wouldn't be who I am. And so I wouldn't take that away from from me. I wouldn't take that period in those years of ministry at that church away from me because it is part of my DNA now. Uh, And would would you agree too, you wouldn't take that time away? I I would not. I would not. Uh, Even though uh, a long period of time had passed where I preached at the church, I was seeing the people throughout those 10 or 12 years. Yeah. And so the healing was already starting. And so what happened, it was a, it was an event, a worship event where, you know, some messages take 30 minutes or three hours or a week, and then others take 12 years. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what happened in that time. And the people had already been a part of that. And so it was the culminating event that really led to uh, a revival as such in that church. It's incredible. How has this experience uh, helped you ministering to students at Blue Mountain College? And do you have any advice for our listeners who may be going through something similar? Yes, it is. It has enabled me. Some of the suffering that we go through is is really meant to help those that are going to be suffering. And so it has given me a perspective to be able to share with my students that are in ministry that have a call. Hey, don't make the same mistakes that I made. Don't don't think that you're you're moving to another place is is you're going to be over this you're not you're going to deal with this you need to deal with this so do it now do it now don't wait don't put it off so those kind of conversations and and I'll tell them I say a lot of the things that I share with them are things that I learned the hard way they're, they're th- I, I made a mistake I failed I I didn't respond like we talked earlier I didn't respond the way I needed to so so it's kind of a case study uh, a personal case study with me to say, how should you respond? How should you respond? Uh, the other thing is not only ministry students, but all of our students that are dealing with baggage of bitterness. Oh, that's a true. lot of the hurt and, uh, of course, Celebrate Recovery, kind of at the heart of Celebrate Recovery is that hurts that leads to uh, hangups that eventually leads to habits. And so dealing with 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 those hurts. And so so students that are dealing with depression or oppression or struggles in their life, 
I find out as I communicate, they find out a little bit about my story and I'm able to, to help them to understand how to grieve. You know, grieving is not just death, but it's loss. It's dealing with hurt. So help them to, to work through some of that and find healing. So, so that's been, that's been so rewarding for me. I would say that I spend as much time communicating and counseling in that particular area than anything. Let's just say if you were, you were talking to a minister in your office or a student, what would be one step, two steps, three steps, whatever, whatever it may be that you usually say, all right, all right, this is what I want you to do. Do you, do you have something like I that? Do. And I do. could you share that with us? Sure. It's to deal with the raw emotion of the hurt. That's what grief is. Grieving is a, is a healing process, but we have to be honest about the loss or the struggle or the pain. What is it that has caused the hurt? Okay, so, so we've got to get honest and deal with the raw emotion. And what I encourage people to do is to journal, to write it out. Yeah, write it out. That's good. Uh, typically, it, it, it leads to depression. So grief, when it's not processed, leads to depression. I, I really believe that that is the reason that so many pastors are depressed is because they have a crisis followed by another crisis followed by another crisis, and they don't have time to heal. They don't have time to heal emotionally. And many don't know, even though they're teaching grieving and teaching other things about it, that they haven't been able to process that themselves. So they may wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning, can't go back to sleep. And there's, there's these thoughts. And so I just encourage them to start taking those steps. When you have that pressure, when, when you're weighed down, start writing out, write out your thoughts, just write it, whatever's on the top of your head, just start writing it out. And, and so that's a first step. It's really being honest and saying, okay, and, and to deal with a raw emotion, this is how it makes me feel. I feel abandoned. I feel I feel rejected. I, I, I'm angry because of this. I'm disappointed. I'm skeptical. I'm cynical even. Okay. But we start dealing with the raw emotion of that. And that's the first step. And there are other steps that, that I, I encourage them to, uh, to follow, but it's something that I, I've, I've walked through myself. Tim, why don't you tell us what's going on at Blue Mountain College? Very grateful for the great revival that is happening, not just a series of meetings. While we're grateful that we have a president uh, and her heart is to experience, to see uh, a God movement on campus. We've had some revivals and they've been great. Uh, we're experiencing revival at Blue Mountain College right now. So as the semester started, I, I can't pinpoint anything other than there was a lot of prayer uh, from the board to alumni to student faculty, a great emphasis on prayer. There was just a sense of peace, uh, the atmosphere, the culture as we started the semester. Um, and then uh, things began to get more focused in prayer as revival, uh, the revival meetings were about to happen. Uh, I think the culminating event was uh, Gary Dennis who came and spoke in chapel and then spoke to our MA and Koinonia, joined together our men and women in ministry and shared about the revival that took place at Clark College that he was a part of years ago. So he talked about that and shared that story. 
And some of our students just got that. And that day actually joined together in groups and with some intense times of prayer. So the results were over 50 publicly confessing sin to one another in the altar. Okay. So students in the altar, faculty, staff in the altar, confessing, repenting publicly. Hey, I've been living this way. I'm turning away from that. I'm turning to God, a restoration of joy. And there were 14 saved during the campus revival, but it's continuing on. And that's, that's what's so encouraging. I actually got an email yesterday uh, about five o'clock of another student who uh, who's a golfer uh, who has who was born again uh, on a BSU retreat, and so so the the revival movement is continuing on. Students are uh, testifying, okay, sharing testimony of the freedom that God has brought into their life from sin, besetting sin, or habits or addiction. That, that they've had in their life. We're finding students dropping by the office, not, not just to say hello, but they're dropping by our office because they're no longer okay living with the sin that they've been okay living with before. So uh, based on my background and what I know about revival and what I've experienced, I would say that we are experiencing a God movement on the campus of Blue Mountain. That's incredible. Give us some information about Blue Mountain College, just uh, about the college itself and and how somebody could uh, find out some information about the college. Of course, Blue Mountain College is uh, a liberal arts uh, college, and we do have an emphasis on uh, ministry. And so, uh, but there are many more degrees and many more opportunities. We now have 25 athletic teams as a part of our athletic program. When we were students, when I was a student there, we had two. Yeah. We had two. Now there are 25. So uh, back, you know, when I was a student at Blue Mountain, uh, we we were not co-ed. It was an all-girls school, but with a ministry program. And we had to be called, you had to be called to ministry, to be a male and to be on campus. And so now that is, while that's, uh, you know, that's the program is still going on. Uh, you, you don't, there are other degrees, there are other options. And so anybody can come to Blue Mountain and receive a degree, not only just with liberal arts and a great education, uh, but with an emphasis on exalting Jesus Christ. And so we are unapologetically Christian. And and that is that is rewarding. And, and so, uh, just um, you can you can find our webpage at bmc.edu. Uh, most uh, you know it's pretty easy to access. Uh, you can contact me, Tim Mims, uh, T Mims at bmc.edu. Uh, Ronald Meeks, Doctor Meeks is the chair of our biblical studies department. R Meeks at bmc.edu. Uh, anyone uh, at Blue Mountain College, you you call Blue Mountain College, 662-685-4771. And anyone that answers the phone will help you. We would love to help, love to talk to you. I would just encourage you to come to the campus. That That is, uh, come, come be involved. I mean, even if you're not interested in taking classes, uh, come see and experience what God is doing. Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, uh, and so some of the things, that's one of the things I think happens at Blue Mountain. You just, you have to experience it. And, uh, and especially right now, uh, you just know when you, when you step on the campus, 
that this is a place where God is. God, God's here and God's up to something here. So uh, anything we could do to help, we want to do that. Do you know when the next campus preview is? Next campus preview, I think, is November the 15th. I think it's November the 15th. It's in the middle part of November. Uh, our chapel speaker is going to be our president, Dr. Barbara McMillan, and she is an amazing speaker. Uh, she's already prepping, uh, getting ready for that day, and I'm excited about that. The music, the things that are lined up for that day are going to be great. Great time on the campus, but it's somewhere in the middle of November. I'm thinking November the 15th. It'll be a Friday. I do know it's a Friday. Thank you for joining us on the Ministry Marks podcast. Welcome to the Ministry Marks podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors, and this is a short. We have Tim Mims in the studio with us, and Tim is one of the best impersonators I know. Tim, what is the key to impersonating someone, and would you mind impersonating me? <laughs> oh man. The key, the key to impersonation is observation. It's observation. It, it's observing, observing, observing. Now, David, you really you really have put me on the spot because I, I kind of have to work on it yeah. and I have to be around you because it involves observation. It's like discipleship in the initial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the initial pattern of discipleship is observation. Okay. So, you know, I just got, I've got to be around somebody a little bit. And once I'm around somebody for a little bit, it just kind of, it, it just kind of happens. And what is interesting is I either get it or I don't. So I, I can kind of work on it because that's what happened with you, yeah. Kenny Digby. And, you know, I was imitating him and I would imitate him now, but, uh, I don't want to hurt my throat. Uh, like, <laughs> like that today. <laughs> so, right, I've got somebody you can imitate that. Okay. So Tim, usually when he imitates, he does body movements uh, along with that, that really just solidifies the person. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So, so a person that you can do an imitation of that many of our listeners are probably going to know some way or somehow, uh, especially if they're preachers. And that's Dr. Jake. Now you can do Dr. Jake and we would be able to hear Dr. Jake's voice without seeing the the body movement. So can you do Dr. Jake for us? Jake well, Rukowski. I talk like <laughs> Dr. Jake Rukowski because I graded, I was a teaching fellow for five years. So I know how to talk like Dr. Jake. So that's a little bit of Dr. Jake. Uh, but, but yeah, that's interesting. With David, I would have to work on that a little bit. Okay. But um, I do know if you're not familiar with a person's name, okay, and which are very good, by the way, very personable, meet people well, okay, you call them homes. That's right. I call them Or the town or the city that they're from. That is correct. So there is a connection <laughs> from the city or the town to your remembering their name. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't made that connection to the name, it's the city or the town 
or Holmes. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> and if you forget their name, they're Holmes, right? Yeah. What's up, so, Holmes? The other thing, the other, <laughs> what's up, what's up, Holmes? What's up, Holmes? How's it going, Belmont? Belmont, how you doing, Belmont? All right, yeah, David, David, all right, yeah, this, yeah, that's right, Thomas, Thomas, Didymus, 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 Thomas, Thomas, Didymus. Yeah. So I would have to be around you a little more. To Today, which I will yeah. be. So by the evening, I could probably do a little bit. By better, the evening, you would yeah. do, a good, do a good David <laughs> yeah, Hayes. That sounds right. good. So yeah. Oh. Wait, thank you so much for joining us for a Ministry Marks short. Mm-hmm.